Welcome, I'm Max Horowitz, producer and host of Penderecki in Memoriam podcast. This podcast is created by Anna Pezhanowska and presented by Polish Cultural Institute, New York. Penderecki in Memoriam podcast unveils a multifaceted portrait of Krzysztof Penderecki with commentary from musicians, colleagues, radio programmers, and writers who lend insight and memories of Poland's greatest modern composer. This podcast is part of Penderecki in Memoriam Worldwide Project, honoring the life and legacy of the great composer. Thank you to project partners Dukes, Naxos, Ludwig von Beethoven Association, and Schott EAM for sharing Christoph Penderecki's music with the world. My guest on this Penderecki podcast is composer and multi-instrumentalist Johnny Greenwood. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Max. Nice to talk to you. Johnny, although you are best known for your work with Radiohead, your musical journey has been innovative, to say the least. You once said that there's only 12 power chords, and I think we've had about 20 years of them, so maybe it's time to move on. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I can argue it both ways, really. When your Radiohead EMI contract ended, you finally had time to focus on full-time composition. There's something very stirring and exciting about melodic music, and there can be things that are monotonous and irritating about music that avoids those 12 chords. So in a way, I'm still trying to make sense of the two drives I have, which are to write songs with Tom and at the same time try and do new things. It certainly has been a process where Radiohead was very guitar-based initially as time went on. You started to get into more synths, more samplers, a wider palette of sounds. I've always felt very conflicted because there's nothing more exciting than being in a small room with a drummer and playing an electric guitar and it's a really thrilling thing to do. interesting isn't it you can do music that's very challenging to listen to and it can be beautiful and exciting and it can be monotonous and boring i'm still undecided still searching we just got hungry for new sounds and new tonalities looking at other technology for me an orchestra is a great piece of technology the fact that it's older than a laptop doesn't make it any less relevant and in lots of ways makes it far more exciting Whatever technology we can try and get a handle on and try and learn how to use, it's worth using. Whether it's a guitar or a voice, we can try. Didn't you first come into contact with Penderecki's music in college or even before college? I did three or four weeks at music college before we signed to EMI. And luckily, during those weeks, one of the things the music tutor did was played us the Penderecki score to Polymorphia and showed us the score as well. So that was a real useful lesson to have had in the brief time I was learning. 
Right, and you were influenced by Messian and Steve Reich and others. Yeah, when I was at school, before I was 18, I was very obsessed with Messian, partly because he was still alive then, and I just found it so exciting that this music was still a living thing and still being created, and that was a really big deal for me because it meant I could think of it in the same way as all my other records. You know, they were all things I could never hope to do, but I would still sit and listen to Joy Division and Messian and the Pixies and whatever. To me, it was all the same thing in a way. One of the things about Penderecki, because there are so many, that was intriguing to you, the fact that he was breaking all these rules, that he was writing music in a totally free way. Yes, I think what I responded to was the rule breaking, partly. It was seeing that just because music is written on paper, it doesn't necessarily have to fit within the confines of, of regular notation. And suddenly you realize that anything is possible. It was a bit like being shown computer code, computer code that's a level above just software. You know, when you see the HTML source for a website, it was a bit like that. You suddenly realize, oh, I can do anything. I don't have to be restricted by conventional notation is taught. And you can get a string player to do anything with their instrument, 52 of them, or as many as you can get. And the complexity of that was just really exciting to me, and still is. That contract comes to an end. Do you recall that being a clear transition where you felt free to then move into composition more full time? I think we felt pretty free as Radiohead after our second record. We were doing well enough that the record company didn't really have any problems with us doing what we wanted to do. So I think we were pretty lucky in that respect. With the second Radiohead record, there was a tiny bit of string writing. There was like a little string quartet, I think. And then with OK Computer, our third record, finally got access to a string section. And it was just a really good way to learn how to write music on paper and what the you know practical sound would be. I did it at school, obviously, but doing it in the real world was a really nice way of growing up. After that EMI contract ended, you were hired by the BBC. While you're at the BBC, you wrote several pieces. Popcorn Superhead Receiver. That was kind of your first standalone concert work for strings, really in kind of a Penderecki style with microtonal clusters. And I think you noted in the program notes that it was illusionary melodies in amongst a fog of white noise. Of course, the piece was used in Paul Thomas Anderson's Academy Award-winning oil tycoon drama, There Will Be Blood. The sounds are familiar because it's all violins, and so you're quite comforted, but the effect is quite unsettling because it's creating all of these colors and textures. So that was a nice contrast for that film. That's, that's why I think it works. You know, I'm used to building drum machines with, uh, with bits of technology. I knew that I needed white noise to make cymbals and hi-hat. And then I remembered that Penderecki, of course, had done all those great pieces that contain white noise. And I thought, well, if you can make white noise with a orchestra, then surely we can make hi-hats and snare drums with this white noise. And then you do a bunch of soundtracks, about six in a row. How much of this work was influenced by Penderecki and contemporary composers? That's interesting. I mean, I suppose it varies from film to film. I don't think anyone was ready to watch Daniel Day-Lewis playing a clothes designer in the 50s. 
strident atonal string music was quite different as a brief. It's seeing Penderecki's music live, I think, that's really got under my skin and makes me constantly trying to chase that same feeling I had of watching his music live because I always ended up feeling a little bit cheated. I thought, I've heard this recording so many times, but I didn't realize that when you see the music in a concert hall, it's so different. It's such a odd and magical experience that recordings don't really catch. It's a shame, you know, there's some amazing recordings of his music, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, of all orchestral music, I think music like Penderecki really is hard to capture. 24 violins playing in unison very often. You've got them all doing very different things. And so that complexity doesn't really come out of two speakers, I don't think, in the same way as it does in a concert hall when you've got, you know, 48 speakers, if you have 48 players. One of Messiaen's modes of limited transposition, and I find it really a beautiful way to write. And there are elements of it that are more microtonal, which is obviously Penderecki's was the master of. When you have that many players doing that many different things together, it's just a very rich and complicated sound. And it's not strident and it's, it's not harsh. It's strangely soft and full of resolution. It's a bit like a photograph. You just see far more detail when you listen closely, especially when it's live. You finally collaborated with Penderecki on Polymorphia. Was that the first time that you met him? I had met him a couple of times briefly, but yeah, that was the first time I sat and went to his house and spoke to him at length and he was just the sweetest, gentle, encouraging man to talk to. It was a really big deal for me. Polymorphia comes from the Greek, many shapes or forms, written for 48 string instruments, 24 violins, eight violas, eight cellos, eight basses. The original Polymorphia famously ends in a big C major chord. Before that, there's various explorations, and but it resolves to this C major. So my plan was to write 48 very short pieces of music that all started with the same C major chord. And just 48 different things happened. As I worked on it, I just realized that was going to be too exhausting to listen to. It just became a series of pieces, all beginning with the C major chord and different distortions happening to it. Distortions that were based on guitar pedals and various electronic treatments that we use in the studio. And I just tried to map these out onto player. There are movements that are meant to sound like the orchestra is distorted or having digital effects like granular synthesis and delays and things like that. Again, it's a direct lift from Penderecki because one of the most remarkable things about him is that he learned all about electronic music in the 60s and then just had the realization that, well, I can do all of these sounds with a string orchestra. I don't need to use, you know, oscillators and envelope generators. I can write that on paper. And I think that's why his music still sounds so contemporary and, and fresh. Lots of the music from the 60s that was done with moogs and electronics just sounds of its day to me whereas Penderecki's music just still sounds like the future. So he's striving for these new sounds and techniques, creates his own notation. 
organizes timbres that are found in an orchestra, like things like metal or wood or leather or felt or hair, and what they vibrate against. It's the complexity that I love. And it's the fact that every performance is always going to be so different, even from bar to bar. It's all depending on so many moving parts, what the players are like and what the room's like and what kind of day each individual player had. All these variables that just are all focused over years and years into one 20-minute performance of music. And that's always going to be really exciting. Some of the electronic music was made in the 60s, much though I love it. It just doesn't have that chaos in it. It's recorded and performed and recorded, and that's it. Living performances in orchestras, I just find stranger and find more dangerous in a way. There's more risk attached to these performances than there is, even than just plugging in a sequencer at the start of a concert or playing a recording. That's, you know, what's going to go wrong? Whereas when an orchestra plays, they're just playing and the sound is going off into the walls and it's, and it's gone and that's it. It's like a firework display. You're there and you experience it. It was just for the people in the room, played by the people in the room. You know, to me, that's quite odd. I'm used to listening to recorded music. And I'm used to watching electronic music live. There's just something odder about orchestras. For all that they're traditional and old, and I'm usually surrounded by a sea of white hair when I'm watching lots of live music. But that's great. I mean, to me, that means I've just worked out where it's worth being. And it's often in a concert hall. You know, I'm lucky to, or before COVID anyway, was lucky to live in a city where I could go and do that. So I just wanted to touch on the sections. I suppose the most Penderecki focus is the leaf. Because I know that Penderecki's was a keen collector of trees. It has a wonderful arboretum outside um, Krakow in Poland. And I wanted to do something that was kind of half a joke, but a sort of affectionate nod to that. So I took an oak leaf from my garden and took the veins from the inside, uh, the shape they were in, and just mapped it onto a score from middle C. players just follow the vein and change the pitch according to how the leaf is on the score. It's hard to describe, but it makes sense when you look at it. That was just a, hopefully to make Maestro smile. I think he liked it. Paid you several very nice compliments. In this quote, he said, Johnny uses some fragments of my work, which is fascinating, but his piece is very much his own music. More than anything, what did you learn from the man? I learned that he woke up every morning and would write, sit in the kitchen, sit in his office and write music every day. And that was a really inspiring lesson. So sad he was going to play a concert in Oxford and then he cancelled that because of ill health. So looking forward to seeing him. And of course he passed. What's encouraging is how highly he's thought of in Poland. He's a real Polish hero. And his music still, I just think, is going to be played. You know, when the electricity all stops, when the polarity shifts in the earth and there is no electricity, music like his is the music of the future.
Johnny Greenwood, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to discuss the great Christoph Penderecki. Thank you, Max. I enjoyed talking to you. This is Max Horowitz, producer and host of Penderecki In Memoriam podcast, created by Anna Pejanowska and presented by Polish Cultural Institute New York. Thank you to project partners Dukes, Naxos, Ludwig von Beethoven Association, and Shot EAM for sharing Christoph Penderecki's music with the world. We appreciate you joining us in honoring and celebrating Penderecki's life and legacy. Thank you.